Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Preparation. Jesus had his ministry and his relationship with the disciples for about three years. And in that time, they drew very close. The the disciples were still confused. They didn't understand a lot of things that Jesus was doing. They, They thought he was going to form an army and they were going to go to war and cast the Romans out of their country so they didn't have to pay that exorbitant tax all the time. And yet Jesus seemed to be a pacifist. He seemed to be uh, one who was quick to forgive. A lot of you probably like me, you weren't raised like that. Uh, My dad said if somebody hits you, you hit them right back, right? (laughs) Jesus said if someone hits you on this side of your face, what? Turn the other side and let them hit that side. We found in him the power of forgiveness. We found in him the power of softness. We found in him a whole new way of life. Praise God. And I thank God every day that he, Jesus died on the cross. But I also thank him for this word. I'm going I'm to be uh, speaking to you out of the living Bible today. I know that's unusual for me, but I want to make sure you get, get what this is saying. The time was quickly approaching. Jesus knew what was about to happen. You have to remember that Jesus had two natures. You have one, you're a human being. Jesus was fully man, human being, and he was fully God. That means that sometimes like when you're going through something and it's horrendous and you can, it's all you can do to bear it, it causes you such pain that you're not sure how you're going to live another day. Jesus had some of those feelings. He knew what was coming. He was being asked to go to the cross willingly. He didn't have to. He could have snapped his fingers and there would have been a a legion of angels there. They would have killed every soldier in the area. They would have rescued Jesus, put him in a fiery chariot, and taken him straight to heaven. But Jesus couldn't allow that because if he did, you and I would be lost. We'd be lost. Had a guy call me this last week. I don't even know who he was. He liked to talk, I know that. But it became pretty apparent during the conversation that he was not a Christian. I even asked him, are you a Christian? He said, oh, no, no. I said, why did you call me? When he first called, he said, well, we, I was talking to some people, and we, we were talking about end times, and I wanted to know what you thought. Well, he never did ask me about that. He just basically took off and, 
was uh, beginning to instruct me. I told him in that conversation, you better hope that there is not a God because if there's not, you're in trouble. And if there is, you're in trouble because you don't have him in your heart. He just kind of brushed that off and went on. Jesus coming to you and I tries to get into your heart and tell you, listen, there's a better way. There's another way. There's a way that you can have eternal life. There's a way that you can be happy. There's a way that you can have your joy restored. If you've gone through a, a horrible thing in your life where you've lost someone, there's healing. Amen? Let's look at uh, chapter 14 in John, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You are trusting in God. Now trust in me. Now, let me stop there and explain something to you. Jesus had a real time trying to explain to them who he was. He wasn't just a man who was going to die on the cross. 100% fully man, 100% fully God. His mother was a human being. His father was God Almighty. Jesus was God and he is divine. That's a teaching that we call the Trinity. It's a mystery. Since the beginning of time, God had a plan for me and for you. It's a mystery. But he carried it out to absolute perfection. Trying to tell those disciples and you and me who he really is. This is God himself who is allowing what he created to take his life. They went to the garden and they, it was very late, night before his crucifixion, it was late. Jesus was feeling the agony of what was coming. He asked his disciples, I want you to, to sit here and wait. There's some olive trees. I'm going to go over here and talk to God, and I want you to wait for me. Of course, when he got back, they were all asleep. They're human. He said, couldn't you even wait on me for one hour? But while he was back there in that grove of trees, he broke down before God. He said, God, if there's another way we can do this, I'd be open to that. But nevertheless, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Okay, there are many homes up there in heaven where my father lives, and I'm going to prepare them for your coming. When everything is ready, then I will come and get you so that you can always be with me where I am. If this weren't so, I would have told you plainly, and you know where I'm going and how to get there. And here's the doubting Thomas. This is where we get that phrase, doubting Thomas. No, we don't, Thomas said. We, we haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? 
and now you see the level of confusion that's going on. You know, later, Thomas is the one, they were all in the upper room where they had the last meal, and Jesus had been resurrected. The, the, the Marys went to the tomb the next day to, to uh, they wanted the stone rolled away so they could go in and anoint his body and, and uh, care for it. And uh, when they got there, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus was gone. The word got around. People began to hear, Jesus has been resurrected. And they're talking about it in the upper room. And uh, Thomas, doubting Thomas, says, I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it till I see the nail holes in his hands, not his wrists, in his hands and the holes in his feet and, and the spear wound in his side. And at that very moment, you've heard me tell you this before, Jesus walked through a wall. He didn't even use the door. He walked through a wall and stood in front of Thomas. Thomas falls dramatically down on his knees and says, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, you're blessed because you've seen me and you believe, but how much more blessed are those who have never seen me and believe? He was talking about you. He was talking about you and me. I was never raised in a Christian home, never went to church. My parents said they were Christians, but they uh, you, you, you couldn't tell it. You know, it's like that old saying, if, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? you got to think about that. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. You shouldn't have to tell anybody you're a Christian. They should just know that there's, there's something different about you. That's what they were struggling with with Jesus. There's something different about him. There's something different. I can't put my finger on it. And yet when I've walked with him out in the wilderness, I've seen him raise people from the dead, heal the sick, all kinds of miracles. I've seen them with my own eyes. These disciples knew something exciting and supernatural was going on, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. And now he's preparing them because it's time. His departure is at hand. It's time to go. He says in verse number uh, five, uh, six, Jesus told him, I am the way, yes, and the truth and the life. This, this is some of the most important words Jesus ever said. Thomas is saying, uh, how can we know who you are in, in the way? He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, let me tell you what that one statement right there forces you to do. It forces you to make a decision. Amen? We have all of these other myriad of religions on the face of the earth, Hindus and, and Buddhism and all of the different kinds, Zoroasterism, and just it, the, the list goes on and on. One, one person said to me once, well, I believe you can, you can get any religion you want. They all go to the same place. You all go to heaven. How I many of you know that's not true? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going to come to the Father, you're going to have to go through me. Makes you make a decision. And I hope you've made the right one. The decision is, Jesus, you are the Son of the living God. You died on the cross, and the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. You shed your blood, which was why we call him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
when the people were close to coming out of Egypt, been in bondage for 450 years, building uh, pyramids and junk for Pharaoh. And God says, enough is enough, and he was about to bring them out. And he brought ten curses on the land of Egypt. The last one was very severe. He said, the firstborn son of every living thing will die. And I believe that that included animals, dogs, bugs, and people. The firstborn living son. And Pharaoh had a firstborn son. Then he, he told Moses, he said, you have the people, you get a lamb, you sacrifice the lamb, you collect its blood in a bowl, you go outside your house, you'll find weeds everywhere called hyssop. You pull some of that out and use it as a brush and you stir that blood. And then he said, you go outside of your home and he said, I want you to smear that blood on the doorposts and the lintels, the top and the sides, because God says, I'm sending the angel of death into Egypt. Everywhere that angel sees blood, the blood, he will pass over. That's where we get that word, Passover. He will pass over your home, and everyone in your home will be safe. And that's exactly what happened. But when the angel of death got to Pharaoh's castle or whatever he lived in, his son died. It's the thing that drove him to his knees. He told him, all, just get out, all of you get out. And most scholars believe there might have been as many as two million Jews at that time in Egypt. And Pharaoh said, not only that, I want you to take all of our gold, all of our silver, and just take it with you. I don't want you to ever come back. Of course, he changed his mind later. We always seem to change our mind when it comes to money. Big mistake for Pharaoh. That's kind of the time when these strange things with God began to happen. And God begins to open himself up to humanity and reveal who he is. We know that God is eternal. We don't even know what that means. We, we've got words we made up. Uh, eternal means no beginning, no end. Whatever that means, that's what God is. Now, you had a beginning, but if you're here today and you know Jesus is your Savior, you're not going to have an end. You're going to live with him forever. But i got news for you. If you don't know him, you're going to live forever too, but you're not going to like where you're going to go. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. So he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except by means of me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Sir, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, don't you even know who I am, yet know who I am, Philip, even after all the times I have been with you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now he's touching this thing that we call the Trinity. How many gods are there? Just one. 
by the way, that's one of the reasons the Jewish people have a problem with you and the Muslims have a problem with you. They don't understand the Trinity and they think that we worship three gods. But there's only one. But he manifests himself as the Father and the Son and precious Holy Spirit. We'll see that here in, in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not mine, my own, but are from my Father who lives in me, and he does his work through me. Just believe it, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe it because of the mighty miracles you have seen me do. Man, we saw some, didn't we? Lazarus. Arguably some of the best friends that Jesus had. Anytime they were in the, Jesus was in the area of Jerusalem, uh, and they lived just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, uh, he stayed with them. They had a room for him. It was his room. And they were, they were like sisters and brothers. They loved each other. There were two sisters and then Lazarus. One day Jesus is out in the wilderness teaching. And a messenger comes. Jesus, your friend Lazarus has fallen ill. And he's died. And Jesus did another strange thing. He did nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was time to prove a point. And the point was, he is the author of life. You may die, your body may die on this planet, but your spirit will not die. To be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord. Finally, a couple of days later, he shows up. They have uh, anointed Lazarus. They didn't have embalming then, but they anointed him, uh, wrapped him tightly in linen cloth, went down to a rock quarry where there was a tomb, they put him in the tomb and rolled a huge stone over it. And here comes Jesus. Mary and Martha are in the house and they get word that he's coming and they're angry. Have you ever been angry with God? Am I the only one? He broke me of that habit that day. He told me, John, there's no fault in God. Did you hear me? Why are we always blaming him? There's a devil, you can blame him. Blame yourself. But you can't blame God. So Jesus said, take me to the tomb. And I've, I have imagined this in my mind, I don't know how many times, but there must have been by that time hundreds of, or even a thousand people that gathered around this rock quarry. The rock quarry's down here and the uh, edges of it are up here, and there's people lined all the way around it. Jesus walks into the bottom of the rock quarry, and all these people are looking at him. And they, then they look, look over at the entrance to the tomb and back and forth and back and forth, waiting to see what he's going to do. They have an idea that maybe he has the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, but they're not sure. And suddenly Jesus screams out, Lazarus, come forth. I like what the scholars say. If he, had, if he had not said the name Lazarus, probably everybody who ever died would have come forth. 
Suddenly, stone is rolled away. There's an awkward, we call it in dramatics, a pregnant moment. The people are looking at the door of the tomb. They're looking at Jesus. Door of the tomb, Jesus. Suddenly, after a few brief moments, someone appears in the doorway wrapped in white linen. It's hard for him to walk because he's wrapped tightly. It's Lazarus, and he's been raised from the dead. Now, he wasn't resurrected. There's a difference between being resurrected and being raised from the dead. If you're resurrected, you never die again. There's only been one person that's ever experienced that was Jesus. We know that in the Bible history, there's a lot of people that were raised from the dead but no one resurrected except him. But your day's coming. Your day's coming. Jesus comes twice at the end, and I believe we're in the end times. First time we call it the rapture. He appears in a cloud. That's as far as he comes, just a cloud. And there's a sound of a trumpet and a shout. And suddenly... All the people that were believers all through history that have died, their graves break open, and they come flying out of those graves. Their bodies flying up into the heavens, and their spirits that are already with him probably flying down, and the two meet, and they're rejoined with their bodies, and they're glorified just like Jesus was glorified, which means if he could walk through a wall, then I can walk through a wall. If he could fly, and I believe he could, I believe I can fly. If he could close his eyes and be in Jerusalem one second and at the blink of an eye he could be on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in the next, I believe that that can happen to me. Glorified. Think about it. What a God we serve. Yes. Now, he says... Look at verse 12. In, in solemn truth, I tell you, if anyone believing in me shall do the same miracles I have done and even greater ones because I am going to be with the Father. Now, I want you to get a hold of that. If you're a believer and you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then you've got the same power that Jesus had. And the things he did, you shall do in greater things than these shall you do because he goes to the Father. The Holy Spirit is also God. Now get a hold of this. And when you got saved, whether you were kneeling down here at the altar or by your bed, wherever it happened, the Holy Spirit came and possessed you. And his, the Spirit and your Spirit did this and you became one. And Jesus didn't come empty-handed. He came bearing gifts. The Holy Spirit brought you power. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Power. He also came bearing peace and love and knowledge. The knowledge of how to minister to people who are very difficult sometimes to minister to. Have you noticed that? If you ever tried to talk to one of your relatives about Jesus and been thrown out of their house, I have. Do you know what God did later? Uh, 
that was my brother. He lives in Kentucky now, but he uh, later, not long after that, he gave his life to the Lord, and I became his pastor. What a gift that was. Threw me out of his house one night. He said, don't you ever, don't you ever come back here if you're going to talk about Jesus. I said, well, we'll make a deal. It, I won't mention it, but if you mention it, then I'll take that as a cue that I can go ahead and talk about Jesus. He said, well, fine, because I'll never bring it up. Every time we went to his house, guess what he did? He brought it up. Couldn't help himself. When you stop and think about it, what have you got to lose by walking with Jesus? What have you got to lose? And you've got everything to gain. And I, I feel led to share one other thing about your relatives and people, that friends maybe that you've tried to minister to. Be quick to forgive. Uh, I read a, a thing, that, uh, I think I put it in the bulletin, that said, uh, if you want to get the last word used of forgive the person. If you want the last word, forgive them. You ever notice whenever you're in a, a you're having a problem with somebody, they get defensive, you get defensive. Pretty soon you're not listening to each other, you're just screaming. But if you look at that person, even if you think they were totally at fault and you say, I want you to forgive me, I believe it was my fault and I, I ask for your forgiveness. If you'll pray for me, maybe I can do better next time. Suddenly, all the defense has been broken. The person doesn't know what else to say. And most of the time, what you'll end up doing is gaining a brother or gaining a sister. Amen? The power of the cross, the power of the blood uh, of Jesus. Yes, he says in verse number 14, Ask anything using my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey me, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter and will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him, for he isn't looking they uh, for it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do, for he lives with you now and someday shall be in you. No, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. In just a little while, I will be gone from the world, but I will still be present with you. You see how he's preparing them? He's preparing them with comfort. Don't worry about it. You're not going to see me, but I'm still going to be inside of you. I'm going to place my very self within you. You need to, to hear from me. Call my name. Open your spiritual ears. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the, heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you believe him, you, you study his word, you find out what it means, and you put that in your heart, pretty soon that's going to start coming out of your mouth. And you're going to start finding yourself gaining people that you bring to the Lord or, or gaining members of your family who decide, well, maybe, maybe they have something that I need. Maybe there is a God. Maybe he did have a son. Maybe 
that son died on the cross. Maybe, just maybe, he shed his blood and just maybe everything the Bible says about the shedding of blood, maybe it's true. Is there anyone in here that's never sinned before? Be careful. No, we're all sinners. By the way, uh, Jesus never sinned. And you were born with sin. He wasn't. Uh, again, it has to do with the Trinity. His mother was human, but his father was divine. So he wasn't born with sin like you and I. And his 33 years on the earth, he never sinned. And you see, it had to be that way because whoever died for you, whoever shed his blood for you, had to be sinless. Jesus was the only one that qualified. The only one. Now, I want you to go to uh, chapter 16, John chapter 16, verse 1. I have told you these things so that you won't be staggered by all that lies ahead. For you will be excommunicated from the synagogues, and indeed the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing God a service. And of course, the most famous person who ever lived who uh, performed that prophecy right there was Paul. Paul shows up after uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He shows up. He's a very educated man from Rome. He's a Roman citizen. He's well-to-do. He's got lots of knowledge and very smart. And he takes it upon himself to organize groups of men, and they're, they're going out killing Christians killing them, and thinking they are doing God a service. And then God did a very strange thing again. He saved Paul, and you and I have a problem with that because we're thinking, why would he save somebody who was killing his people? Well, I can say the same thing about me. You don't know the truth. And one day, Paul goes to the high priest and says, I need you to give me a letter of recommendation for the, to the high priest in Damascus, Syria. I'm going to go there, and with his permission and yours, I'm going to take care of those Christians there also. And so he's on horseback with his friends, and they're riding down the road, and next thing you know, he's knocked off of his horse by a bolt of lightning or something. He's struck blind, he can't see. Who is this? Who's doing this? Jesus said, it's I, it's Jesus. Why are you doing what you're doing? And so they took him, put him back on his horse, took him into Damascus and got a room somewhere and put him in the room. And then God sends a man by the name of Ananias. Yeah, I want you to go to Paul's room and pray over him so that he can be healed. He's blind. And this guy said, wait a minute, I know who that guy is. He's been killing Christians. I can't do that. God said, you will obey me. You know why? Because God had a plan for Paul. Look at me. God has a plan for you. God has called you. God has ordained you for a plan and a purpose. Are you in it? Have you found out what it is? Do you know for a fact that that's what God wants you to do? And are you performing his will? Are you obeying him? That's the only thing you need to worry about right now. Paul is healed from his blindness. And he immediately, instead of running to Jerusalem to repent, 
he goes out into the wilderness. And you got to keep in mind, he had probably the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, but he didn't have this book that we have. And he goes out into the wilderness, and God has given him a gift of revelation because he's being told by God himself the things that the disciples were confused about. Who is Jesus? Why did he die on the cross? Why was that necessary? Why didn't he kill the Romans and drive them off? Why? All of a sudden, when Paul showed up in Jerusalem, the disciples were flabbergasted. They knew who he was. But now suddenly this knowledge of revelation is coming out of his mouth. All the questions that they had been asking, Paul wrote over, what, a third of the, of the New Testament. It was all coming out of his mouth, and they were sitting there with their mouths wide open. They just couldn't believe what they were hearing. This same man who had killed their, their friends and their fellow Christian brothers and sisters is now sitting before them teaching about who Jesus was and who he is and when he's coming back and why he loved us. What can we do without Jesus? Um, now look at verse 5. Now I am going away to the one who sent me, and none of you seems interested in the purpose of my going. None wonders why. Instead, you're only filled with sorrow. But the fact of the matter is that it is best for you that I go away. For if I don't, the Comforter, notice the capital C there, the Comforter won't come. If I do, he will, for I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convince the world of sin and of the uh, availability of God's goodness and of deliverance from judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. There is righteousness available because I go to the Father and you shall see me no more. There is deliverance from judgment because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, have you ever wondered about that? Uh, how many of you know the devil can read? And uh, he's read the end of the book just like you have, and he knows that he loses and we win. <laughs> but still, he carries out or attempts to carry out his purpose, which is to keep you away from God. Why? Because he hates you. He hates you. Why? Because you love God. It's the only reason that he needs. Why did God allow Satan to even be, to exist, and for that matter, to be, become who he became, evil. And I'm going to tell you why. Because God gave him the same thing he's given you, a free will. God wants every one of you in here to love him of your own free will. And that means he has to give you the ability to say one of two things. God, I love you, or God, I don't love you. Satan chose the second. Out of that came centuries of all the evil that we've seen, the wars and all of this stuff. How many have been watching what's going on in Israel? And have you been watching what's been going on in America as a result of that skirmish? We see people in uh, different political persuasions that are now, who used, to, who used to support Israel, are now turning their back and they're supporting the Palestinians. The only question I would ask 
was who started that that war about two or three weeks ago. It wasn't Israel. In fact, Israel just stood there and took it for several days. Their people were being killed. And then they said, all right, enough is enough. Benjamin Netanyahu. I've met him. He's a friend of mine. I say he's a friend. He's an acquaintance of mine. And uh, he said, enough's enough. And so they started to fight back. Then suddenly the world turns against them. Listen, there is an evil in this world. And those things that you're seeing are the, are the beginnings of sorrow. The beginnings, we're getting close to what the Bible calls the tribulation period, where a person will show up, the Antichrist, and uh, he will somehow be connected to Satan. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Satan doesn't possess his body. You've got to remember, when Satan and all those angels were thrown out of heaven, they lost whatever kind of body that they had. They just became a spiritual creature. And, you know, you think about that. If you're thrown down into this atmosphere around this planet, which is a physical place, but now you don't have a physical body, it'd be pretty hard to manifest yourself. You can't speak. You can't touch anything. You can see what's going on. And that's why they want to get in your body. Amen? Let's pray for just a minute. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my God, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear, sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for each blessing, we're going to lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, I am thankful that you prepared your disciples for your departure. But Lord, I even more than that now, I'm thankful to you that you are attempting to prepare us for your soon arrival. Yes, you are coming back to this planet. And the Bible says you will rule and reign for a thousand years. That's the millennial reign. Only it'll be different when you're in charge. There won't be any more sickness. I don't... I don't even think there'll be any more of those bugs that you're always trying to wave away from your face. I think it's just going to be mind-blowing how peaceful this earth is going to be. And, and Jesus, when he's in charge, will show us how it should have been. 
the number of man is six. Well, historically, man's been in charge here for about 6,000 years. And so God's number is seven. You, you add that millennial reign number to six, you get seven. God's number. God's going to rule and reign, and this place is going to be totally different. Totally different. And you may not know this, but right now, as I'm speaking to you, they are building your city that you're going to live in. It's called the New Jerusalem. It's a city 1,500 miles cubed. And that city's going to come out of the sky one day and land on this planet, and that's where you're going to live with him. It's not going to be boring. You're not going to be playing harps on a cloud. He'll have things for you to do, and it'll be exciting. Amen? Now, I want you to touch somebody. Just touch somebody. Touch a hand, touch an arm. Father, we pray for every person in the room. We pray, Lord, for your precious spirit. Now, keep your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you have been really going through something, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I've been really going through some stuff, and it's painful. Anybody else? Father, you see all those hands. I just pray for each one. Lord, meet their need. Maybe money, it may be one of their kids in trouble, Father. Maybe something on the job. Lord, touch them. Lord, heal them. Show them that you have absolute authority, and we have absolute authority over the devil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, we just place everything in your hands. And we trust you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, we turn the lights back on. Let me remind you, we are canceling the picnic this afternoon. So go home and spend some time with your family. Uh, may God bless you. Thanks for coming. Guys, hope you'll come back. And uh, why don't you spend a couple of minutes saying hi to somebody. And uh, I guess you can hug them. Maybe you don't have to bump elbows anymore. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day today. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.